The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. at CNBC Global HQ, and here is your top five at five. Will the big stock rally just keep rolling on as earnings are flowing out, and even the most locked down state starts to reopen with COVID in retreat? That path forward set to take another major step. The FDA prepares to greenlight Pfizer's vaccine for some younger Americans. Courting China, Tesla reportedly trying to win over communist officials. They give Tesla a hard look. Are you ready for some football online? Amazon and the NFL looking to kick off their streaming deal one year earlier than planned. And a big tech breakup. Bill and Melinda Gates saying they are splitting up. It is Tuesday, May 4th. And this is Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome from wherever in the world that you may be watching. I'm Brian Sullivan. Thank you very much for joining us on this Tuesday. Here's how your money and investments look right now as we are just kicking off this morning. Well, not a lot of indication of which way the markets want to go right now. Let's call the futures flat. Dow futures down 15, but I mean, that could change in like, you know, the blink of an eye. The Dow and the S&P 500, though, rose yesterday. The Nasdaq was down just a bit. And you had some big-time winners to kick off the trading month of May. Ethereum just rocking on. Ethereum up another 11% yesterday. It's up slightly right now to 33.13. Oil up once again yesterday. And oil stocks, the OIH, Oil Services ETF, that rose nearly 5%. 5%. It's down a little bit right now, but a big start to the month of May. And there has been a lot of growing discussion with Warren Buffett and others about bonds and inflation the last few days. You heard Warren Buffett talk to Becky about it, and, and lots of the Fed heads are also on tape about it. And with that in mind, we're not really seeing a big move in bond yields. The benchmark 10-year yield kind of been stuck the last month or so at 1.62%. And how could we not talk about wood? Lumber prices. I mean, if you're not paying attention, this is incredible. The price of lumber just continues to rock on. Year to date, the price of lumber, what they call OSB-oriented strand board, whatever that is, is up 81%. Lumber's at $1,575 a contract. Put that into context. Hold on. It was about $600 late last year. This all means, of course, the price of Anything made with wood, you know, houses, many of you may be looking to throw a deck on your home, are certainly going to be paying more. And we even heard the story about a lumber retailer selling their wood back to the wholesaler so they could sell it back to another customer at a higher price. Things have just gone nuts in the world of wood. All right, let's go now around the world as well. Kind of a mixed picture in Asia. And EK in Shanghai closing lower by nearly 1%. Hang Seng and Kospi finishing up by about a half a percent. And taking a look at the early trade in Europe, we are seeing, again, not a real indication there. Germany down a little bit with France and the UK slightly 
higher. Well, now to this morning's top stories. India crossing another grim threshold in its intensifying COVID outbreak. The country revealing it is seeing 20 million reported cases as of earlier today. India's first cases were detected in late January 2020, and the country did not cross 10 million total infections until December, and then the next million coming in just the last five months, mostly last month. There is a little bit of good news. Officials claim that infections have seen a drop since hitting 400,000 daily cases on Friday. Meantime, the FDA is expected to authorize the Pfizer vaccine for kids 12 to 15 years old. According to reports, that decision expected to be announced as early as next week. Those reports and more could be lowered a threshold further by the FDA to even kids younger than 12 sometime this fall. Pfizer CEO will be on CNBC later on today. And also happening, Tesla reportedly trying to win over regulators in China. According to Reuters, the company is making the move amid increasing scrutiny over safety and customer service complaints. The report says Tesla is boosting its engagement with officials and expanding its government relation team. The move comes as China continues its crackdown on big and powerful companies, especially in the big technology sector. Tesla shares not really moving on the news. All right, now to the macro markets and your money. And stocks, they keep rising on economic optimism in maybe one of, if not the, strongest economies in America of all time, for much of the country anyway. Adding fuel to the bounce back fire, the Atlanta Fed's GDP Now Index coming out yesterday says that second quarter GDP, gross domestic product, the entire American economy, could rise nearly 14%. That's against only, and I'm using air quotes if you're listening on the radio, of an average estimate of about growth of 8% by economists that we polled. Obviously, there are millions still out of work, and there are still some closed schools around the country. But for most of America, the economy is booming, and that could mean another huge jump in corporate earnings, 14%. For more on this, we're joined by SETI Company's Director of Market Strategy, Rob Morgan. Rob, good to have you back on. I mean, when that number crossed, I was like doing a double take on my computer. Have we, (laughs) we've been doing this a long time, you and I, have we ever talked about a 14% growth quarter? You know, it, Brian, it almost reads like a misprint or sounds like, uh, you know, some emerging Asian markets uh, GDP growth. Yeah. But in a way, I, I, it's 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 not surprising based on some of the fundamentals we've seen from uh, from analysts out there. It, this has been a very unusual year for, for market analysts because they've been raising their expectations on earnings growth. And you I mean, usually usually analysts start out too optimistic and then they cut their their estimates, but they've been raising them this year. So that's, that would imply that you then periodically get a number like we saw out of the Atlanta Fed that, uh, hey, you know, um, uh, it's a big number and much bigger even than, uh, than their Yeah, it's, 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 it's obviously, Rob, an unsustainable number. We get it. I mean, it's kind of the bounce back number. It's, it's trillions of maybe new spending. It is low rates. I mean, it's literally sort of the perfect conflagration, if you will. We've seen huge jumps in corporate earnings as well. And that's why stocks have reacted. Do you think the earnings boom will also continue? Or is it going to be kind of a one quarter wonder? 
I think it's going to continue, Brian. I mean, we're, we're certainly well into first quarter earnings. You know, we're two, two to three weeks into that. And uh, facts that's predicting that uh, S&P 500 companies should grow earnings 6%. And that, that would be the biggest number for a quarter that, since they started tracking the number uh, in 2002. That's almost 20 years. And, and if, the, if the Atlanta Fed is right, or even if the peer group is right, uh, with second quarter uh, GDP growth, that's, you know, when we, in July, when we start seeing second quarter earnings, um, yeah, that's, that's going to be great, too. And, and in the long run, stocks, the growth in stock prices follows the growth in earnings. And so, so we have the stock market that we have, a pretty good one. Yeah, we've got a very good one certainly here. And maybe, you know, when you start to look at the numbers, 31 times trailing earnings on the S&P 5. That's trailing, of course. That number will get smaller because earnings, the denominator, have gone up. But our job or your job is to buy low and sell high or maybe buy high and (laughs) sell yet even higher. When you look around the world, I mean, one could think if Europe is behind us by a couple of months in their vaccine rollout, in their full reopening plans, Maybe Europe is a better opportunity in some ways because you're supposed to buy when things still don't look perfect. Are you looking anywhere else around the world for opportunities, Rob? Well, I think, you know, U.S. investors uh, that are looking for international investments, this, this, is a, this is a pretty good time across the board because uh, more than likely the, uh, the, there's going to be pressure on the dollar. Uh, it, it's not going to plummet, but the, it, it should sag. And that generally, that, that gives a tailwind to uh, U.S. investors investing in international stocks. We don't, we don't really pick specific companies, but, uh, you know, certainly a broad uh, ETF that, that tracks international stocks uh, would, would, would be, a, like the EFA, uh, would be a good place to go. You know, we got this, this Atlanta Fed number at 14. Again, it's just an estimate, but still, wow, holy smokes. Some Fed heads talking about inflation, Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger talking about it with Becky over the weekend from their virtual annual meeting as well. You know, Jim Bullard, a Fed official, said, I don't know, maybe a couple of months ago that we hit 75 percent vaccination penetration. We can start talking about a taper in the raising of rates. We could hit that number based on current math in July. Is there any chance, any risk, I guess, if you want to call it that, Rob, that the Fed reverses course and starts to raise rates a lot earlier than the market thinks? Because that, that could be the taper tantrum that rocks the world. <laughs> well, Brian, yeah, that's, that's probably the biggest risk out there. And, and so, so Fed watchers are, are pursing uh, Chairman Powell's uh, comments. And I, and I think most of us are expecting at, at some point that he's going to at least drop some hints that, they're, uh, that the uh, $120 billion a month uh, bond buyback program is going to s- start being tapered. And, and as you say, that, that could cause a taper tantrum uh, for, for stocks. Uh, you know, the, the most recent Fed meeting, it would have been a perfect opportunity for that. But, um, but, they, but uh, the commentary pretty much was stay the course. So uh, when, when those comments first come out, I would expect that, the, that we'll see some, some type of at least minor pullback in, in stocks. Rob Morgan to SETI. Rob, good to have you on this Tuesday morning. We'll wait maybe for that summer taper tantrum. We'll see. Could be the, maybe not the summer of love, but the summer of higher rates. Rob, thank you very much. <laughs> hey, thanks, Brian. All right, well, let's hope it's a summer of love as well. When we come back, as the economy booms, many parts of it struggle to find what it needs. 
why we're on the verge of a crucial shortage in one big area you may never think about. And your morning RBI is a riddle. When is five greater than 370? The answer all boils down to just a couple of the biggest companies out there. And later on, there's a unicorn on the block. The founder and CEO of online pharmacy Capsule is here to break down that company's big-time new valuation. Dow Futures Off 16, we're back right after this. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. All right, welcome back. Time now for a check on some of this morning's big money movers. Three key stock stories that you have to know about. Stock number one, Smile Direct Club. Shares are dropping after the company says it experienced a systems outage last month. It was due to a cybersecurity incident. It be a hack, which could have a material impact on second quarter results. One big disclosure, NBC Nightly News investigated Smile Direct Club customer complaints in February. They accused NBC Universal of publishing false information and is seeking nearly $3 billion in damages for defamation. Stock number two, Under Armour. The sportswear maker settling an SEC probe into its accounting will pay $9 million in fines. $9 million with an M. The SEC alleged Under Armour misled investors about revenue growth in 2015 and 2016 by pulling forward sales of existing orders. The company neither admits nor denies wrongdoing. And stock number three, iRobot. The maker of the Roomba vacuum cleaner reporting better than expected first quarter results, but shares are down, possibly on concerns about rising costs for parts and shipping. All right, on deck, another Fed official sounding the inflation alarm. But will Jay Powell react with higher rates or just keep his foot on the gas pedal of the economy? Today's big number, 38.1%. That's how much new bankruptcy filings dropped during the 12-month period ending in March over the prior year according to the Administrative Office of U.S. Courts. Among the reasons for the decline, a drop in personal expenditures, increased government benefits, and moratoriums on evictions and foreclosures. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. Ahem. The UPS. Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At 
least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. All right, welcome back. Well, there is a crisis brewing in chemicals between shutdowns, lockdowns, a surge in demand, and big-time problems in the supply chain. Key chemicals, stuff you never think about, but that go into so much of what you buy or own are in short supply. And it could cause a huge headache for American manufacturers and higher costs for you, the consumer. Let's talk about it and bring in Jeremy Pafford, head of North America at IC. IS. Jeremy, thanks for joining us. Again, you know, we've been on the ground in Houston and other places. We talk about this kind of stuff. People think, why do we care? They're going to start to care because the prices of things that we buy every day may start to soar. Tell us how bad the crisis is starting to be in the chemical world. Thank you for having me on, Brian. You mentioned the three three really constraining issues that are going on right now. We've had production issues across the supply chain. We've had um, logistics issues in getting materials from point A to point B to point C. Um, and then you've had this resilient to surgent demand that has led to a, a cascade of, 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 of price issues across the chain. And when you look at from the chemical chain, it's very much kind of like one of those uh, those crazy walls that you see on a, on, a, on a crime detective show where if there's something going on in one market, there's probably something upstream or downstream that has led to cost of that. And the chemical chain is very much connected uh, across the board. So we've had a lot of issues that have popped up in regards to some of the chemicals that you see there. Glycerin, uh, very key material to go into uh, hand sanitizers, moisturizer used in some food products. Um, that has got seen soaring prices. Uh, epoxy resins, a, a substance that's a very a good for adhesives, goes in a lot of coatings for, for metals. And stuff. We've had all kinds of things going on um, from a upstream standpoint. Chlorine goes into that. It's Chlorine is an upstream chemical to it. There's a lot of shortages within that. Epoxy resins prices have shot through the roof in the past couple of uh, weeks. Yeah. Uh, to, we have people telling us, this isn't even a functioning market anymore because there are some uh, procurement people that cannot even get some of the supply that they need. Um, this has and, to- and this is so important because, right, right, Jeremy, a lot of our viewers are thinking, well, I don't care. You know, I got plenty of Windex or whatever it is under my kitchen counter. I'm fine. No, 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 no. As you noted, some of this stuff, it goes into drugs. I mean, pharmaceutical products that people rely on Every single day, you know, prescribed by their doctor. This is not just about, you know, super glue and paints. There are some critical materials on these lists. Absolutely. I know that I, we have talked at ICIS with some procurement managers, in particular in the past uh, couple months, that have said that this time has never been, it's never been more challenging than right now to procure some materials. Usually, when you're in the process of trying to, by the materials that your business needs to make packaging, to make the materials for pharmaceuticals. Uh, it's about negotiating price first and foremost. Um, even the, But right now, securing that supply of materials that you need to make your product yeah. for the consumer has never been more challenging than right now. We have some that have told us it is a week-to-week proposition just to make sure that they get the materials they need, and sometimes they don't. 
And it was literally the perfect storm, Jeremy. Uh, I mean, not only was it COVID, of course, the beginning, people thought things were going to collapse. The exact opposite happened. Ordering and online buying and everything soared. But the storms, I mean, Lake Charles, the Houston area, where a lot of the stuff is made, devastated by multiple storms back to back to back to back. We were in Lake Charles, and I think it was December or January. They were out of power for about a month in certain parts. Any indication this is going to get better anytime soon? You bring that up, and then we were on the way to recovery from that. And then in February, we had the big freeze in Houston, 48 hours below freezing, and that knocked a whole bunch of plants out again, and we kind of had to restart. We're in the process right now of of getting uh, back. We need four really dull months here. We need some dull weather months that get us through the summer, that will help start to rebuild uh, the inventories. The restocking will be able to happen, and then we can see some uh, real, uh, some lower pricing possibly toward the second half of this year. But that's a huge if. We're going towards summer. What's what are we going back into? Hurricane yeah. season. Again. Yeah, and let's hope that that to your point, it is a very boring summer, at least when it comes to weather. These backlogs and those price increases that we showed in our viewers are simply stunning. Jeremy Pafford, ICIS. Jeremy, thanks very much. Keep us informed. Thank Take you care. All right, you're very welcome. All right, right now, let's step outside of the markets and hit some big headlines, including some breaking news out of Mexico overnight with a tragedy as an overpass collapses. NBC's Philip Mena is in New York now with that and more. Philip. Hey, Brian, good morning. Yeah, at least 23 people are dead and dozens more injured after a train overpass collapsed in Mexico City. According to the city's mayor, a support beam gave way late last night, leaving the metro cars dangling from the crumbling overpass. The mayor said at least 70 people were injured in addition to those killed. The Mexico City metro is one of the busiest in the world. 30 million Americans are still in the path of dangerous weather this morning. Overnight in Texas, multiple semi-trucks came crashing down because of a possible tornado. Our Dallas-Fort Worth station confirming that people were taken to the hospital, but no word yet on possible injuries. Earlier, this massive tornado was caught on camera just south of Dallas. There are reports of widespread damage in North Texas. And in Georgia, a tornado was confirmed in the Atlanta area. At least two people were killed there. Finally, the British Royal Marines are testing out a futuristic way to board boats. The Royal Marines were trying out jet suits that fly over the water to navigate from ship to ship. The developers of the suit say that the only other method to land Marines on boats is by helicopter. This technology was also tested by British paramedics in reaching remote areas in the wild. Brian, it's back to you. Kind of getting Iron Man vibes from that. Very, very cool. We were promised jetpacks. Not only a good band, but apparently the real deal. Looks like we got jetpacks. Philip Mena, you and I, I could see us. Let's, let's do this, man. Let's go out, do what they call a live shot, and strap some of those on. I'm down. Human drone. Sign me up, Brian. Very, very cool stuff. Yeah, it's a new way. <laughs> Get the cameraman up there. Forget about the drone. We'll just film it that way. Philip Meta, right. thank you very much. Have a great day, man. All right, buddy. You too. All right. Get ready. Digging in over tax hikes as President Biden and Mitch McConnell toughen their positions on how to pay for trillions more in proposed spending by the White House. We're back in moments. 
Will the rally roll on? A huge new forecast for economic growth has investors optimistic as corporate earnings continue to knock it out of the park. But, uh-oh, could higher prices ruin the party? More Fed heads sounding the alarm on inflation. But will Jay Powell react or just keep his foot on the economic gas pedal? And a big tech breakup. Bill and Melinda Gates calling it quits after nearly 30 years of marriage. And there is billions of dollars in philanthropy on the line. It is Tuesday, May 4th, and you're watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Well, welcome or welcome back and good Tuesday morning or good Tuesday evening from wherever you may be watching. I'm Brian Sullivan. Thank you very much for joining us. And let's get right to it. Here's how your money and the markets look as we are about just about halfway through the 5 a.m. hour. In fact, exactly. It's 5.30 Eastern time, by the way, if you've got to be somewhere. The Dow and S&P futures not doing a lot, but the NASDAQ, that is now the one to watch. The NASDAQ, the only major index down yesterday to kick off the trading month of May, And futures are down again right now. NASDAQ futures off 46. Losses accelerating a bit. Not a lot, but a bit. Something to watch. Now, in the middle of all this, there is a lot of growing discussion about inflation and higher prices and bonds. You heard Buffett and Charlie Munger talk to Becky about it over the weekend. And there's also a lot of Fed heads on the tape. With that in mind, let's look at the 10-year bond yield. But it's not moving. It's at 1.62%. Increasingly, we're kind of starting to see maybe a disconnect between what the bond market is saying and what Jay Powell and some of the other big fig, big Fed big wigs, he said. Some rubber baby buggy bumpers. It's early. I got it out. We're seeing the 10-year yield at 1.62%. I'm going to stick with small worlds. Let's stick with inflation as we check your morning's top stories. And speaking of, Richmond Fed President Tom Barkin says... He sees higher inflation moving through the rest of the year, higher than now. Barkin laying out the signals he is seeing while speaking with CNBC yesterday. If you look at the elements of the PCE, there are roughly 175 of them. You'll see a lot of uh, prices that are up quite significantly. I think rental cars topped the list uh, last month, but you also see a lot that aren't. And so, uh, again, what you see is where you sit. I'm watching expectations very closely, uh, both survey-based expectations and market expectations. Uh, Those have firmed, but I'd say there's nothing in either one of those metrics that looks like you're seeing a a breakout uh, in inflation. Now, it wasn't just that. Barkin added he expects those inflation pressures to subside next year as economic dynamics change. The so-called transitory inflation we keep hearing about as the economy returns to a more normal state, as opposed to this huge surge off of a shutdown last year. Meantime, President Biden and Senator Mitch McConnell are starting to square off a little more over the president's proposed infrastructure and tax hike proposals. The Senate Minority Leader saying yesterday that Biden's tax hike proposals would be a red line for many congressional Republicans, effectively killing any chance of a deal on infrastructure spending. The president has set an unofficial deadline of May 31st to see if he can find some common ground with Republicans on any infrastructure or try to push it through with just Democratic support. And Amazon and the NFL bumping up the start date for their streaming deal for Thursday night football. 
That agreement will now take hold next year as opposed to 2023. The NFL had previously announced Amazon's exclusive rights to the Thursday night games would begin in 23, but we'll get a streaming game on Thursday nights starting next year instead. All right, we got a lot more to do and coming up, watch out CBS and Walgreens. It is not just Amazon looking to steal a piece of your business pie. We'll chat with one online pharmacy startup that is now worth more than a billion bucks. But first, as we had to break, three other big stories happening right now. Number one, the Apple Epic Games trial beginning in California. Epic argued that Apple purposely locks in its customers while Apple countered it built the App Store, so it gets to set the rules. Epic Games, by the way, is the maker of Fortnite, and they are unhappy about Apple's App Store policies. Two, the Financial Times reports some of the nation's biggest banks have suggested some large corporate clients should move money out of deposits and into money market funds. It's an unusual step, and it comes as cash has flooded bank balance sheets, forcing banks to actually hold more capital, if not too much capital. And story three, the NYSE taking steps to bring more people back to the floor, saying that fully vaccinated workers can return. The changes go into effect on Monday. We'll see if the workers do too. Dow Futures off 11. We're back after this. All right, welcome back. It is time now for your daily COVID vaccination update. And as of yesterday, more than 40% of the adult population in the United States is fully vaccinated, while 56% of us have received at least one dose. COVID cases and hospitalizations are crashing across the country. Even hard-hit Michigan has seen a big drop lately. Some good news. But there is one thing to be a little concerned about right now. The pace of vaccination is beginning to slow pretty dramatically. And according to Morgan Stanley, both Pfizer and Moderna had a pretty sizable drop-off in vaccination usage from the peak. Pfizer's vaccine usage down 18%, Moderna down 11 from the peak. And it may signal a maxing out of those over 18 who want to get the jab, although they are expected to roll this out to younger kids. Just something to watch as we return to normal. And thankfully, COVID cases, hospitalizations, and mortalities are all way, way down from the peak. Some good news for you this morning. Well, staying with healthcare, there's a new unicorn out there, and it's in the sector. Capsule, pulling in $300 million in its latest funding round, pushing the six-year-old online pharmacy's estimated valuation to more than $1 billion. And the growth comes as the pharmacy business increasingly becomes a more crowded space, with everyone from Amazon to Walmart stepping in. So how do they compete? Let's find out. We're joined now by Capsule founder and CEO Eric Kenna Arawala. Eric, uh, good to have you back on. Um, uh, let's talk about Capsule because we said it. It's crowded. Amazon, Target, Walmart. I mean, you name it. Everybody wants to be in the pharmaceutical space. What makes you so desirable that investors are willing to throw another $300 million at you? It's good to be here. Good morning. Capsule is, as you know, the Capsule is different and Capsule is very desirable. And what we've done over the last six years has been to build the very best experience for consumers to get and manage their medications. We've made it extraordinarily simple for people to not only get their medications the same day, to be able to fill them, to be able to know why their doctor prescribed them, 
but really to make it really, really simple for people to manage their medications on an ongoing basis so that they're healthy uh, and they're able to have what they need at their fingertips. What we've done and why investors are investing in capsule is for what's next. And what's next is what we believe the future of healthcare is, which is that it's simple, it's seamless, and it's interconnected. And Capsule is building that one-stop shop, that single, simple, holistic place where you can access not only your medications, but all of the things that you need to do in your digital healthcare life from one simple place. Here's what's fascinating about the pharmaceutical industry. It's a $400 billion business in the United States alone. But the online penetration is only about 2%, effectively far smaller online than pretty much every other mainstream industry. Why not? I understand there is some, you know, you want to talk to your pharmacist. It's medicine. You've got to be careful. But it seems like the online penetration is incredibly small. What have been some of those barriers? I guess barriers, by the way, Eric, you're trying to break down. Yeah, so the, the categories you know, is $400 billion. It's less than 2% digital. And Capsule has been pioneering that wave to, to, moving, to moving digital over the last six years. It is, you know, getting your, getting your medications and managing your healthcare digitally is different from other categories of e-commerce. It's different from buying books or batteries. It's different from buying something that's a commodity item. You need a completely different model. Uh, you need a completely different model to be able to serve the modern consumer with their healthcare needs. And so... The number one thing is that you need to combine the power of the human with the power of technology. And that requires a completely different technology infrastructure to operate. And we've built that over the last six years from scratch. And so when we look at what are the categories of digital commerce that have not moved online, but are rapidly starting to move online, it's things like healthcare, things like financial services, things like real estate. It's things that are regulated and it's things that require a completely different way of operating. And so while there are a number of people that are in the pharmacy category, there is no one that has built the entire technology infrastructure from scratch to be able to serve the needs of the modern consumer, not only with their pharmacy needs, but with their broader set of digital healthcare needs. And that's what the, fu- and that's what the future is. The future is, is purpose-built, and it's purpose-built from scratch. And that's an enormously difficult and expensive undertaking that we've you invested hundreds of millions of dollars over six years to do. Quickly, Eric, we've all used probably not all of us, but a lot of us, I, I know that, that I have, have used telemedicine over the last year. OK, doctors closed or it's just impossible to get an appointment. There's a limitation to what a doctor on demand or a teledoc, what those doctors can prescribe you often. You know, you can't you can get this. You, you can't get that as far as whether or not the medication could be addictive or dangerous. Do you see the the industry, I know you're getting into that as well, shifting to where the options for telemedicine are only going to grow? Our view is that healthcare is going to be hybrid. Healthcare is going to be digital. It's going to be in the physical world. And people are going to, the same way many, many things in your life are, and that people are going to go to the, this setting of care that is most appropriate for what their need is. And capsules job and Capsule's mission and what we're building is to make it easy for you to access that care wherever you need, whether you need it digitally, whether you need it in person, you know, whether you need it through a combination of both. Our job is to facilitate that and make that really, really simple so that it's in the palm of your hand whenever you need it. But we believe that 
we don't we don't think in person care is going away, and we don't think that you know telemedicine growth is going to stop. Both things are going to be true, and Capsule sitting at the center of that. Eric Kenarawala of Capsule. Eric, listen, we, we love to talk about entrepreneurs on CNBC, companies taking on the big guys out there. Certainly, an incredibly competitive space, adding jobs, growing the business. Eric, we appreciate you coming on. Best of luck to you. Keep us informed. Have a great day. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. All right, let's switch gears now to the human news that shocked everybody late yesterday. Bill and Melinda Gates saying they are divorcing after nearly 30 years of marriage. Now, normally we'd ignore this kind of news. It's their private lives after all. But this is no ordinary marriage. Billions in important charity dollars in the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation may be on the line. Robert Frank joining us now with more on the potential impact. And uh, Robert, again, we're not trying to be uh, some sort of gossip network, whatever. I mean, this is one of the most high-profile and powerful and wealthy couples in the world who've done billions of dollars, by the way, in good work. This news kind of coming out of left field. Yeah, and look at it, it. It affects a lot of different assets, many of them publicly traded stocks. Let's take a look first at Microsoft. Those shares Fairly stable in pre-market trading. That's because Bill Gates owns only around 1.3% of that company. Now, it's about $23 billion of his $130 billion fortune. The bigger impacts, as you mentioned, would likely be at Cascade Investments. That's a family sort of holding an investment company, as well as the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Now, according to the divorce petition that was filed by Melinda in King County, Washington, yesterday, they will divide their assets according to a separation agreement, which re- which remains confidential. Cascade's more than $75 billion in holdings include big positions in Canadian National, Deer, AutoNation, Republic Services, and many other publicly traded companies. Cascade is also the largest farmland owner in America with over 250,000 acres. They also co-own the Four Seasons Hotel chain. Now, the Gates Foundation, that is believed to be the largest in the world with a $50 billion endowment. They give away about $5 billion a year. Now, it is no longer a marital asset, so it is not subject to any kind of division. But control could become a big issue. The Gates is saying in a statement they will, quote, continue to work together at the foundation, but nonprofit experts saying that it will be difficult for them to agree what causes to support, who is in charge, how to invest. All of that could become a source of contention and could have big impacts on health, education policy around the world. Because as as we saw with COVID, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation plays a big role in global health as well as education and in all these other areas. So, so watching there with the foundation as well as what happens with the more than $70 billion in assets, many of them publicly traded in Cascade. Brian? Yeah, I mean, listen, it's, and it's, again, it's not the first one, Robert. I mean, we had obviously Jeff and Mackenzie Bezos. They're splitting up, and we're not trying to be some TMZ gossip network about people's private lives, but these are, these are couples that influence major charitable policies, major tax contributions, major corporate and philanthropic efforts as well. And these types of splits can cause huge shakeups in exactly what you're talking about. But it sounds like the early read and, and the very sort of you know, nice and polite tweet that, that the couple ostensibly put out indicates that the, the foundation, at least right now, 
should just roll on as is. Yeah, and that, that look, to be honest, they, they say that they're going to work together and, and we have every belief and hope that they will do so. You know, they, they do great things uh, at the foundation. But there are many groups that receive money and many countries around the world that receive money from the foundation that will now wonder, will one of them, for instance, yeah. split off and form their own foundation? Will one of them be more interested in education? Will one be more interested in healthcare? Will Bill Gates be more interested in climate change and split off and create his own charity, diverting assets away from these other two issues? So I, I think that's where, and again, given their impact, it's a $50 billion endowment with more of his money. You know, at some point, they're going to give away most or all of the rest of that $130 yeah. billion. Plus, you've got Warren Buffett's billions coming in. Uh, so over time, there is a huge amount of money that still has to roll in. And big questions from groups yeah. and countries that receive that money on where it goes. Any, um, Robert, sorry to jump in, buddy. Any, any tax implications? I mean, we all kind of, you know, talk about filing jointly or, or separately with our spouses. I mean, seriously, the Biden is talking about higher taxes on the rich. These are the richest of the rich. The estate tax could get jacked. I mean, is there a is there a longer term tax implication for the entire country here? Well, it'll be really interesting to see what happens with the step up in capital gains, because that is the provision in the tax code, which allows Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, all these people to basically have these lifetime gains, this huge amount of, of wealth that's been amassed and created, go untaxed during the process of their lives and as it's given to charity. It's a great thing that they give to charity, but that leaves his $130 billion, you know, whether you're talking about Jeff Bezos and his fortune. And, and so the question is, if if step up in capital gains is repealed, as Biden would like to, we'll see what Congress does, that could have a big impact on his fortune and all these large yeah. founder fortunes that we talk about. All right. Robert Frank there on a uh, on a big human story and a big tax story, certainly in philanthropic story as well. Robert, good to see you this morning, my friend. Have a good one. We'll see you all day on CNBC. Take care. All right. On deck. There's big. Then there's really big. Your morning RBI is up next. And the answer to our riddle earlier of when is five more than three hundred and seventy? It's the RBI. If you haven't already, subscribe to our podcast. It's good. We're back after this. Today's RBI is a very random but interesting fact about just how big the biggest of the big have become. And the answer is big. And it's also the answer to our earlier riddle. When is five greater than 370? Well, here's the answer. And while we highlighted something like this a few months ago, much has changed. The stocks have soared. And we plucked this one from a tweet by Ben Carlson's Wealth of Common Sense. So thank you. With the big moves in the last few months, the combined market cap of Apple, Amazon, Google, Microsoft, and Facebook is now $8.3 trillion. Five companies worth more than $8 trillion. Let's add some context to this. At its peak in 2007, when it was the biggest company in the world at the time, ExxonMobil had a market cap of just $520 billion. Seems quaint. And it's just about half of what Facebook is now. It's also more than twice the size, by the way, of the entire economy of Germany, 8.3 trillion. And check this out. The combined market cap of those 
five horsemen of heft, as we will now call them, is now about the same size as the combined valuation of the lower 370 stocks in the S&P 500. Now, nobody may care. These are all innovative, incredible companies that investors love. Uh, Maybe it's time for Standard & Poor's to create a new index. Shall we now offer up the idea of the S&P 5? You're welcome, S&P. Random but interesting. Five, more than 370. Back now to the broader markets and welcome in our friend Jeff Kilberg of KKM Financial and newly anointed Chief Investment Officer of Sanctuary Wealth. Congratulations on the new job and the new title as well, Jeff. Well earned. Congrats. Now we're going to put your feet to the fire. In your new role, are you still thinking that stocks are largely a good buy here? Yes, Sully. In my new role as Chief Investment Officer of Sanctuary Wealth, I am still constructive on the marketplace. And it's a dual threat situation. Here in Chicago, we're very excited about our dual threat quarterback in Justin Fields. But what we see the dual threat is the expectations for earnings season. Just a wild surpassing of expectations. Nearly 22.5% of the expectations have been beat this earnings season. That in conjunction with the data coming in positively. It goes back to the conversation we've had many times here with you on CNBC of the rapid acceleration of the vaccination, the rapid reopening of the global economy, and that type of optimism, I think, is the next leg higher for U.S. equities. So I remain optimistic, but also look at the VIX. The VIX is telling us that calm waters are ahead, at least short term, Sully. So that VIX indicator is making us in a risk-on situation here at Sanctuary Wealth. Yeah, dang it. I don't know if you looked at my notes or or read my mind or or both. It's kind of scary because I was going to hammer you on the VIX, or not hammer, but ask you about it, Jeff. A VIX under 20. I mean, is there a direct correlation longer term between a, a complacent and low VIX and positive equity returns? Well, a week or two ago, I would have given you you a little hat tip on that when we did see the VIX go down nearly to 15. That type of complacency is a little bit bothersome. We did see a move higher when the equity market last week went higher to close out the month. But here we are in the month of May. I know the NASDAQ is being sold off here a little bit, but the tangible names, the essential names we talk about, you're seeing assets be attracted there. And with the 50-day moving average of the VIX at 20, we are still under that 50-day moving average. Mm -hmm. Therefore, short-term, the options market, which we love to pay attention to, is really highlighting the fact that we do see calm waters. I know there's a lot of conversations from the Fed. I know there's a lot of concern about taxes. But short-term, I think the market continues to move higher due to the fact that we have this one-two punch of earnings and wonderful data. Wonderful data as well. And uh, wonderful to hear from you, Jeff Kilberg, the CIO of Sanctuary Wealth. Congrats, my friend. And we'll get you back on. We're going to wake you up even earlier now in Chicago because of it. (laughs) Jeff Kilberg, thank you. Thanks, pal. All right, take care. All right, and like that, we're done. We're going to see tomorrow on Worldwide Exchange. Got an awesome RBI for you tomorrow on electric cars. You're going to want to hear it. We'll see you then. Squawk of the gang. Pick up the coverage next. Have a great day. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. 
That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.